You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network, Patrick Francie. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's Patrick France here from the Rain Office. I'm joined today by Chris, uh, Chris Westrop from Park Insurance out of British Columbia here. Now, of course, as uh, everybody is well aware, we've got a lot of uh, devastating news coming out of Fort McMurray with what's going on with the fires that are happening. So, Chris, we've been receiving just a ton of questions, um, you know, from concerned members and people who are really have or or that know somebody in Fort McMurray and those members from Fort McMurray, uh, Edmonton members or really provincial members that own real estate in Fort McMurray, uh, wondering about what they need to do uh, around the insurance side of things. Now, we've had some members that have, in fact, lost uh, homes, their own personal homes as well as rental properties, and we got others that are concerned. So let's just start the conversation uh, right out of the gate and say, you know, if you are now out of Fort McMurray, you've had to leave, obviously you've evacuated, um, what are some of the first steps that people should be taking in regards to, you know, a, an insurance claim if they think they have one, uh, or maybe they don't even know yet because, of course, fires are still going. I haven't had an update. So just give me some first steps, Chris. What, are, what, should, be pe- what should people be uh, doing right now? Uh, if you are affected by the fire and you know that you are, one of the first things you should try doing is contacting your, your insurance broker to let them know that you've been affected by the fire and have them help you start the claims process. Unfortunately, if you're dealing with a broker in Fort McMurray, they're going to be in the exact same position as you are. So it may be difficult for you to get a hold of them. If you know who your insurance company is or you have your insurance documents with you, there should be information contained either in the policy or the letter from the broker that will you will tell you how to how to uh, start a claim. So you can contact your insurance carrier, give them all your details, your policy number, tell them that you're from Fort McMurray and that you want to start a claim. Uh, one of the things to bear in mind is that this is obviously a huge disaster and insurance companies are going to be swamped at this time so you're going to need to be patient the insurance companies will do everything they can to help you but it is going to take some time they'll do what's called triage they'll deal with the most urgent matters first and then they'll start working on things but they will do everything that they can to help you as soon as they possibly can just be patient bear with them and They'll get old. They're, they're there to help you out. Great. Okay, so let's just start. You know, at, at you know, on some of the questions that we're getting, we'll get right into the kind of the uh, nitty gritty. You know, uh, of the policies, for example, that Park provides Rain members. So, of course, the fundamental question is: is are are we insured? Are our members through you know uh, Aviva? Are they insured for fire? Absolutely, fire. If you've got insurance on your building, one of the basic coverages for fire. So every insurance policy on your property, as long as it's insuring your property, will be insured against fire, smoke, and water damage resulting from the fire. Okay, that's that's great news. So let's let's just break it uh, let's break it down a little bit from there. So if somebody's putting a claim in now. We've got you know if you own a property, your tenants are now out of that property. They can't live there. You've lost that rental income through fire. So we know they're going to rebuild for fire, water damage, etc. 
now the bigger you know the next question is what about tenant uh you know you're losing that that rental income what are they covered under that under those policies speaking directly to the policy that we provide for rain members uh under the rain, under the rain program you absolutely have coverage for lost rental income and it's good for 24 months so you're good for 2 years uh if you have insurance through another company hopefully you have rental income and you, if you do have rental income, it should be for at least a minimum of 12 months, hopefully longer. Uh, a situation like this, because of the, the, the scale of damage, it could take a significant period of time to rebuild properties, maybe well over a year. So the longer rental income that you have, the better. Our policy is 24 months, so those, those RAIN members that are insured through us uh, are good for up to 24 months. So, I mean, the savvy thing to do would be to stay on top of this, nudge things along. Um, you know, patience will be short, so I would, you know, I think we all have to just take a breath and, and be patient. That's probably where you'll get the best results in a rebuild process as well, Absolutely. right? So it's something to keep in mind. Now, having said all of that, I guess when you consider the amount, the, the sheer volume of what the insurance providers will be dealing with in that in that Fort McMurray area, um, you know, if you're running tight on your cash flow, uh, we have to give consideration for, you know, oh, holy cow, you know, I've got mortgage payments coming up, uh, you know, and, it, you know, one, five, ten properties, whatever you may own in, of course, Fort McMurray, depending on what all was uh, damaged or how, you know, how big you are affected, how much you're affected by it. So that income isn't coming in. Now, is there a process that the insurance provider speeds things up in that regard or do they still have to go in and really look at what's going on? Well, absolutely. In a situation like this, because of the scale and scope of damage, they're well aware that there's that there's going to be uh, loss, of, loss of income. They're not going to address every individual claim one at a time before making a determination. They're going to appreciate that it is what it is. It's, it's a terrible situation. If you're in a situation where you need to get that rental income back as soon as possible in order to maintain your cash flow and take care of your, your obligations, mortgage, and that sort of thing, let the insurance company know or the adjuster know that you are in that situation. You do get loss of rental income coverage, and they'll work with you to expedite getting you your monthly rental income. It, you may be behind for a month, because it is going to take some time, but they'll work with you so that you get the loss of rental and coming back in as soon as possible. Right. So this would be probably or possibly a great time to be approaching your bank and and getting, you know, having a skip a payment process, you know, or engaging the skip a payment process that most banks have when it comes to making mortgage payments to so to stay really on top of it. Do they ever do just a, you know, so if you if you've got a partial or complete wipeout on that knowing that you're really they're going to write a check for the buyout at some point. We'll talk about that in a moment. Would they release, let's say, five thousand or ten thousand dollars? Would they do just a here, here's ten grand to get you going and you know pay for incidentals and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's it's on an it's, it's on a case by case basis, yeah. and every insurance company will handle it slightly differently. But yeah, that's all. That's definitely an option if they know that they're looking at a situation where the rental income is going to be ongoing. The claim is going to be open, so they'll make. Uh, draws against your against your policy right. so they'll give you x amount to to get you through okay great 
Now, one of the things that you and I touched on just before getting on this call is that, you know, some of the concerns and, and what have been expressed by the questions we've got from some of the members is what if my tenant doesn't have insurance? You know, am I, is there an obligation that I have to cover them? You know, I've, I've asked, you know, like, so for example, many members insist on tenants getting insurance, but we also know that tenants get insurance and then they cancel policies and there's all sorts of stories that go on. So ultimately we come out, our tenant, it turns out, is not insured. Uh, are, do we have any obligation under a policy to, to support that, what their losses are? As a landlord, you've got absolutely no obligation for your tenant's loss in that situation. Your policy is meant to cover yourself, your property, and your losses. Your tenant should have insurance. If they don't, unfortunately, they're on, your, they're on their own. There's no coverage for them to stay anywhere. Uh, your insurance policy is going to pay to put them up in a hotel, no matter how nice a guy you are or, or how you feel responsible for it. That is they're what up. it is. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, one of our... Uh, one of the concerns that members have expressed is if you own a condo, for example, maybe you own two or three units, and um, you had mentioned that sometimes you run into where you actually see that the condo corporation, of course, they've insured the buildings, uh, but what does that mean to you if you haven't insured your condo? The, you know, is there a, how do you cover it with park, for example? What, do you, what, are we, what am I insuring? I'm insuring the inside and the contents if it was mine, but as a tenant and property, what do I have to really be looking for uh, with the condo situation? With the condo, when you buy insurance on your on your condominium, you're getting coverage for your appliances, your betterments and improvements if you've upgraded, your loss of rental income if something happens to the building. In this case, the, the condominium building burns down. There's also the loss assessment coverage that's going to be assessed to you by the condominium corporation for the deductible. Their insurance is going to come in and, and pay for the damage to the building and repair the building, but there's also going to be a loss assessment for your deductible. And they're going to come back to you as the individual unit owner for that. If you have insurance, it's covered under your insurance policy, your condominium unit owner's policy. If you don't, that's going to come out of your own pocket. Got it. So. Let me ask you this question, you know, and, and I go off on a, just a quick tangent here, maybe not that quick, but in an act of God situation, which this really is, uh, you know, this is kind of an act of God, what about liability? You know, if I'm the owner of a rental property and let's say my tenant gets hurt, you know, um, does my policy cover that kind of liability or in, in the world of insurance, is there... Um, something under the condition called act of God that... For your liability, it, it really is based on on negligence. In order for your policy to... In order for anything to happen under your policy, you would have to be negligent in some way or right. shape. Uh, and in a situation like this, there's really not much chance where you could be found negligent. But your policy would take care of you to defend you or pay any claim if you were found to be negligent. Right. Okay, got it. So that, that's what I expected uh, along that line. Now, once again, I'm going down a list of questions here. Um, what about smoke damage? So, you know, lots of properties in the Fort McMurray area are, you know, I've seen pictures and, I mean, it's just blanketed. It's thick with smoke. Uh, how do, are you covered for that kind of a, a 
a problem when you get back in your in your rental property or the tenants are coming back. Once again, this speaks to tenant insurance. You know, does the tenants, you know, do all of their linens, example, their couches, you know, now they smell like smoke, their insurance company would have to cover that. Uh, there may be a situation where the where carpets and walls need to be painted? I don't know. I mean, I've never been in a fire situation. Have you come across this kind of stuff? Uh, absolutely. Smoke, da smoke damage, the, f the water damage uh, resulting from the firefighting efforts, uh, the smoke damage to the properties, that's all covered under basic fire insurance. So if you have a fire insurance policy, you're covered for that. Again, if your tenants have insurance, their property's covered. If they don't, unfortunately they're not, but the, your policy will pay for repainting and recarpeting whatever damage is caused as a result of the fire, whether it's smoke, water. So what does, you know, what does Aviva do? Send out uh, a squad of, uh, of adjusters, for example, to uh, take a look at what's going on and verify what's happening with a, with a claim uh, request? Pretty much. Right now, uh, Aviva and just about every insurance company has a CAT team that's waiting to go into Fort McMurray when it's safe to do so. So there are going to be uh, claims adjusters from all over North America literally parachuted into, into Fort McMurray. And they'll start, start adjusting claims. They'll start writing checks. They'll start doing whatever they can to get people Move. going as soon as possible. As soon as possible. <clears throat> this, as unfortunate as this is, this is really when the insurance industry, this is what people pay for. Right. Uh, the insurance industry is going to come in. They're going to step up and do everything that they possibly can. Same as similar to what happened with the floods in Calgary, the ice storms in Ontario. Everybody gets behind it and they start working on it and try to get things resolved as soon as possible. The last thing, you, this is why I bet people buy insurance. This is where the rubber hits the road. And the last thing the insurance companies want to do is see anybody in any kind of hardship when they've got when they've got insurance. Yeah, especially in a true disaster like this, Absolutely. an act of God. There's no negligence. There's, there's no, you know, was it, was, you know, was it arson or not? This was, this really happened. Exactly. So it was affecting everybody. So the, you know, the other side of this is that when we talk about what insurance covers, um, there's replacement cost of that particular property. Mm -hmm. Now, replacement cost is different than, of course, assessed value because, you know, you, you may have paid. $400,000 or $600,000 for the property, whatever it was in Fort McMurray, they're actually playing, paying the replacement cost of that building in today's numbers. That's correct. Now, two years, you know, when I first, when you consider that two years sounds like quite a long time that rental income is being covered, when you consider the devastation of what has occurred based on even what we saw in southern Alberta floods, of course the fires in Slave Lake, it takes a long time to... Uh, recover from that to build for that you know of course there'll be some escalating costs I'm sure with labor and materials and the demand becomes very very high and of course there's only so much resources that you can throw at this thing um, does the insurance company have any consideration for extending it should it go on two years what happens in that case when it's out of your control do they say sorry that's you know too bad or do you have any any thoughts around that Chris uh, typically it, typically two years is a pretty adequate period of time for things to be rebuilt right. uh if it was a if it was an earthquake that could be a little bit a little bit different but for for a fire two years is probably more than adequate right um now not all insurance policies provide two years coverage for loss of rental income right. that's some may, 
Some may only be 12 months, and if you're a homeowner, you're not necessarily, you don't have any loss of rental income anyways, but they'll be putting you up in a hotel for a period of time. And there's, depending on the insurance policy, there could be limits that way. Right. But the insurance company will act with, with what they call due diligence and dispatch to try to get everything going up and running as soon as possible. But again, it is subject to limitations, and it's up to you, you to talk to your broker to find out what limitations you're looking at so you can maybe look down the road and kind of prepare yourself in the event that it does take longer or you run out of funds to, to, to stay somewhere else. Because if you're if you're a homeowner and your house burnt down, you're going to have to find other accommodations. And a hotel is not going to do it for an extended period of time, so you're going to want to find a rental somewhere. Right. The rental market's going to be tight. Rents are going to go up. Yes. So it's it's just a, a spiral, but but it, yeah, an interesting dilemma for sure. Now, you know, beyond um, uh, you know beyond the, the replacement cost of the of the property that you that you've lost, um, they're actually are they writing you one check or are they releasing funds as you build or how does that generally work? Just so <clears throat> I really want to give members some you know some some real insight into how the process works. If you've never been at the effect of it, now you're standing there looking at a vacant lot or a lot of ashes. You've now got a contractor in there. You're going through the process of building. You're going to have to you know, get an architect. You're going to have to do all of the things that you need to rebuild that property. So is the insurance provider, are they just scratching a check for the full amount or are they releasing funds over a period of time? What's the general? There's no real general uh, situation. It's, it really depends on the insurer, the type of insurance policy that you have. Some insurance companies may say, here's your check, to you take care of it yourself, or you may negotiate that. Or the insurance company may take may maintain control of rebuilding your property for you, which is what kind of what I recommend. Ideally, yeah. Because then any if there's any delays in rebuilding the property, it's on the insurance company, not you. Right. Uh, I don't want to. You know, I don't think we want to step over that. I think Chris makes a really good point there. There's, you know, there's some members who are, you know, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty astute. They know how to do this kind of stuff. But to your point, if you're working with the insurance company uh, in behind the scenes as opposed to taking that project on yourself, then the responsibility lies with the insurance provider. I just don't want to step over that. Right. No, that's absolutely true. And and we did see that you know, on occasion in in the floods in Al southern Alberta where. where People did control their project, and it didn't necessarily go smoothly because the contractors that they were supposed to get weren't able to come in sure. when they were supposed to come in, or there were, there were different nightmare stories. One has to assume that the insurance provider also has, I mean, they have their resources. They yes. have all of the people that they would reach out to and, you know, you know call out and, and get engaged in this kind of a a rebuild. I mean, Slave Lake was a, a good example of that. I mean, Slave Lake rebuilt quite quickly, given uh, how massive the wipeout was. But I don't. We'll see what all how the dust settles. But I don't know if it'll be as. I don't know if Slave Lake will have been as bad as what Fort McMurray is looking. I haven't got that update yet. Right. Now, um, in regards to the rebuild, though, in the case of Aviva, you you can't take that check and not do something like you. It is really it is there to rebuild. It's That's not, right. Yeah. You know, you're not going to take it and say, okay, well, I don't want to own a house in Fort McMurray anymore or own a rental property. I'll leave the land there and I'll go buy a house in Edmonton or a rental property in Edmonton. It is really designed to go. It, it is. You do have the option to take a cash settlement, but it's going to be what's on called an actual cash value basis. So if you've got an older house, it's going to be 
whatever the depreciated value are. So look at look at your. I, I can't say how uh, assessments, tax assessments work in Alberta in BC. <clears throat> On your tax assessment, you get a breakdown of the land value and the improvement value. So if it works the same way in Alberta, whatever your the value of your improvements is is pretty much the cash value. So you could have an older house that was built in 1973 that the rebuilding cost would be $400,000 for. Now, given its age and what the life expectancy is, you're probably pretty close to well over 50% of what the life expectancy is. So as on an actual cash value basis, you're getting about 50% of the value. If you rebuild, you're getting the guaranteed, under, under the Aviva policy with us, you're getting the guaranteed rebuilding cost. So using $400,000 as an example again, if your, your house is insured for $400,000 and it burns down and it costs $500,000 to rebuild it, they're paying $500,000 to rebuild your house. And again, this is specific to the policy that we provide to Ray members. Other insurance companies also provide that option. Not all do. So there's the potential that you may have to come in with some of your own money in order to rebuild the property if it costs more than what your policy, your house is insured for. Great. Um, and just for the callers on the line, you know, Peter Kinch, I know, was listening, and he had... Uh, uh, he had suggested that uh, he had reached out to the banks. I had talked to him earlier today, and he had reached out to the banks. And what he wanted to share with everybody on this call is the banks are um, really there to help. So, you know, the the idea behind skip a payment or deferred payments or a combination of both, at the end of the day, the banks are, you know, certainly sensitive and compassionate for members or for homeowners or property owners. And so they're they're going to be working with uh, with you on that in that regard, so the banks aren't like taking a hard line on anything. So just so you have some uh, insights into that. So I thank Peter Kinch with that. Other question that has come up is: Is there you know is there a requirement for you know for us to try and provide alternative uh, alternative accommodations for a tenant? You know, is there really a requirement? And if we were, would I guess would insurance cover that? Uh, I think I think that would be under the Landlord Tenancy yeah. Act. To the best of my knowledge, there is no requirement for a landlord to provide alternate accommodations for a tenant. Uh, and if there were, it's something we'd have to present to the insurance company. I've right. never We've seen a never situation seen it within that ever. policy, so it doesn't exist there. And that's really what we're talking about today: is is what is what is the insurance? You know, what can we expect from an insurance provider? Another question that showed up here was, you know, does park insurance cover loss assessment deductible in a condominium? Um, I'm not quite, I'm not quite getting that question. I don't know if it's asked the way she wanted to or he wanted to. Oh, I, I, I know, I, I know what they're asking. What asking. And the answer, the answer is yes. What that's referring to again is going back to the damage to the condominium building. They're going to have a deductible under their policy, and depending on the on the condominium corporation. It may be as high as a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, understood. Yeah. Uh, so what they'll do is they go back to the individual unit owners and they say your portion of the deductible is X amount, and that's where our policy steps in and pays the loss assessment for it. Right. So there is definitely coverage for that's that. That's looked after. Great. Yes. Great news. Well, I you know I think that uh, I've covered the things that I want to cover, uh, Chris. You know, certainly first steps. So for you is 
you know, reach out to your, you know, reach out to to your provider. And now, would they be phoning your office, or would they be directly with the insurance, or a little bit of both? What do you, how do you um, to handle this? They can phone us directly, and our, our number is 800-663-3739. Or they can call if they are insured with Aviva. They can call eight six six Maya Viva. Right. There's also uh, we've also posted on the on my rain space uh, how to make a claim. It's under Tina has posted that under the announcement section. That's got the the number as well. Um, but first, try to get a hold of your broker. If you can't get a hold of your hold of your broker, contact your insurance carrier directly. If you don't know who your insurance carrier is, you're going to have to rely on your broker. And unfortunately, if they're in Fort McMurray. It could take you some time to, for them to be able to contact you because they're going to be in the exact same position that you are. Right. So when an adjuster, uh, there's just a question here about how the adjuster determines the rent loss to be paid to the in investor. Now, they're <clears throat> so they're actually, whatever rent role you have, you would have to, I guess, verify that that is the rent that was being paid. Correct. Now, are they paying that in a monthly basis or are they paying it in a lump sum? If you had a 12-month lease and you still had 10 months on it, would they... Or do they have look at each individual situation and assess it from there? Again, again, it is it is on an individual basis. It's unlikely they're going to pay out a lump sum. Uh, in most cases, they would probably do a monthly draw. They would you would contact your adjuster, say my rent for July was X amount, haven't got it. They'll send you they'll send you a check. Uh, they may do a six month draw. So it's going to depend on on the various situations. Um, the other thing is is that with rental income, there's different types of rental income. Mm -hmm. Some policies out there will have an, uh, an amount shown on your policy. It will say a specific dollar amount. Right. It could be $14,000 per year. So what they would do in that case is they would kind of, your $14,000 a year, they'd divide it by 12. That's what your monthly rent is. Right. Some policies don't have a, a specified limit. It's called actual loss sustained. So it's whatever your actual loss of rental income is. Now, here's the question, though, right? Well, you know, especially in Fort McMurray, vacancies were high. So if I have a, a, a situation where my property is actually vacant, but now it's not even available to rent, so how do they handle those situations? Unfortunately, if the property is vacant, again, this is this is one of those ones where it's on a case-by-case -case basis. If your property just became vacant, you're probably and and you you can show historically that your turnover time was a month, and you would have had another you could have reasonably expected to have another tenant in there within a month. You're probably okay. If your property was vacant for three months, and you didn't have a tenant lined up, or there was no prospect of a tenant moving in within the next month, unfortunately, you didn't have rent coming in. You're not losing rent. Right. It's. It, it, that's the unfortunate part of that. So again, it's on a case by case basis. Because you, of course, you could then just argue, well, whether whether it took me three months or six months, I now have no opportunity. I guess it would really be, you'd have to really sit down and negotiate with the insurance company. I guess is how you're going to be handling that. You, you would, but typically, uh, again, if you don't have rent coming and you're not losing anything, right. the insurance company will 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 try to be as as fair as fair as possible with you. Yeah, I can speak for our insurance company. Mm -hmm. Some other insurance companies may take a harder line, or right. so other insurance companies say, "Yeah, okay, well, you know, here's, a, here's a check." Right. But in most cases, the idea behind it is that if you weren't collecting rent, you're not suffering a loss. Right. 
Okay, well, some the you know some certainly we have to pay attention to. So you know, I guess you know, I think we've covered a lot of the questions that we've had today. Um, you know, is there anything that you want to leave off with, Chris, and insights that you think <clears throat> maybe didn't cover? That's something you want to make sure that members understand and are clear on. I, I think the big thing is is to to be patient. Um, unfortunately, you know, when you have a situation where it's a claim for your own house, you had a break in or a fire at your house it's reasonable to expect things to happen on a fairly rapid basis. Uh, in a situation like this, patience is going to be the key. It's going to take a long time for everything to get settled. It's going to be a while before insurance companies or any representatives from insurance companies, claims adjusters, or anybody can even get into Fort McMurray to start looking at things. Right. It's going to have to be safe before they can get in there. But by all means, report your claim but appreciate that it's going to take time and they will work with you. Your broker will work with you. If you have issues with your claim, call your broker. They're there to help you. This is where they earn their money is when you have a claim. We're here to support you and help you out. We'll do whatever we can to help you out on our end. But again, try to have real, realistic expectations. Uh, it's not a situation where your claim was in first. It's going to be handled with handled first. There is no first in the line right. at this point. it's right. They'll deal with them on the scope of magnitude. The worse your claim is, the sooner it's going to get, right. get dealt with, and they'll deal with things as, as they as best they can. Now, is there anything that we, you know, just want back up because one of the things that came up is what about a, a building, of, so for example, uh, an apartment building? Um, does, is there any different approach they take to that? You know, now you've got a, a situation where you could have, you know, 12 or 18 units, you know, that are laying on the ground, and that, of course, speaks to a lot of people mm -hmm. that are you know, have got no place to live, big losses. In the rebuild of that, um, once again, the, who's working with the adjuster? The owner of the building, of course, if it's a strata situation where you, you know, where it's a number that's where the strata board is sitting down with the adjuster, then becomes that kind of a process? Uh, a lot of strata corporations will have a property manager that handles right. things for them. So the property manager will, will, this is where the property manager is going to earn their paycheck as well. They're going to be working with the insurance company on behalf of the strata corporation as well right. to, to expedite things and, and to get things going. So it's, it's really a, a team effort. Right. It, it, this is where it's important to have a team. Right. Your property manager, your your bank, your lawyer, everybody, everybody who's part of your team is going to be should be there to help you out with it. Right. Okay. So that's that's great. I know that you know we wanted to get on this and and really help members and get some questions answered early on, uh, get it out in a in a bigger way so that uh, we're not fielding one on one. And and Chris, so I want to thank you for coming into the office today to uh, to discuss it. It's such a it's a huge devastation. Like I'm I'm blown away by just the flames and and the the amount of devastation that's going on you know people trying to find a place to stay uh you know hotels in edmonton i'm told are booked solid there's nowhere there's actually nowhere to stay so now you're going to some of the uh evacuation centers if you will you know setting up uh you know a bed at rexall in, in place in in edmonton so uh, lots of people having to figure out where to live, and then of course on top of it, now they got to figure out how they're going to, uh, you know, what it's going to look like going back, mm -hmm. and how they're going to get their losses covered. Uh, you know, as much as you've got, we've got a team of bank and uh, uh, lawyers and all the other stuff. It's great to have uh, Park on board and and making sure that we're looked after. Thanks for uh, 
giving out your number there, and at least they can get some additional guidance if they need it by going to the office. And uh, once again, our RAIN members, uh, we're going to do everything we can to, to support you and, and keep you up to date with anything that we're learning about it. Some of it, I mean, you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, this is just so big and such a devastation that it's like we don't know the questions we're not even asking. We don't know what we don't know and how it's going to come at us. So uh, there's been, like I say, some experience in that regard from your office, of course, with uh, the floods out south and Slave Lake in the past. So I know that we've got some great experience to rely on. And uh, once again, thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully, everybody, this has been uh, helpful for you. If you've got any other questions, make sure that you email info at raincanada.com and we'll uh, we'll get those questions looked after as soon as we can so thanks again goodbye everybody thanks for listening and engaging with the real estate insider podcast a bold look at reality share the reality